0: Does your wealth align with your values? In what ways does your wealth affect your decision-making? How does wealth impact your family dynamics? These are the big questions we'll help you answer on your road to wealth savviness. Join Amar Shah and his guest experts in the Savvy Wealth Podcast as they share insights and stories to help align your wealth with your values and family dynamics.
1: Hello, and welcome to the inaugural podcast of the Savvy Wealth Podcast with Amar Shaw at Client First Capital. This is our opportunity to find out a little bit more about who Amar is, how he does what he does, and really just more about him personally. So, Amar, welcome to the show. Thank you.
2: Thank you. I'm excited to do this podcast with
1: you. Well, I'm excited, too, to get to know you a little bit better, and I know our audience is, too. You know, we start off every one of these with the same question, which is, how did you get
2: into doing and being a financial advisor. Yeah, it's actually kind of funny. Um, And it's funny because I have an engineering degree, engineering degree in computer engineering, which is basically some computer science and some electrical engineering put Mm -hmm. together. And I started working at Qualcomm right out of college for about four months. And and what happened is my job got outsourced to India. (laughs) And I'm Indian, right? And so... I decided at that point that I want to work with people. And I had a family friend who was a manager at American Express Financial Advisors. And he convinced me about the opportunity to be a financial advisor. And that's really how I got into the business. Now, imagine Dilbert, right? (laughs) Dilbert in a sales world. Um, (laughs) I didn't do so well in the beginning. But as time went on, Mm -hmm. my listening skills got better and so did my ability to be a good advisor and give actionable advice to clients.
1: Well, there's a big step, though, Amar, from, from working with a, a large company like American Express to, to starting your own business.
2: What, Why why did you decide to go independent? I decided to go independent for two reasons. Um, one, I saw that there was a huge shift in in these big firms that went from being a face-to-face advisor to a digital only offering and and most of my clients, you know, that, that wouldn't work for them. And and so I I saw the shift coming and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, this whole generation is not going to get the advice that they need in the method that they, they, they want it. And the second reason, and which is the main reason I had a life event with my father passing and I got to help my mom through that process. And luckily for her, I was a wealth manager and I understood, you know, most of the things to get done, but I realized our industry doesn't really understand the value side of the business. Like, why did my dad leave money in this account? What was it for? You know, what is the purpose and, and making sure that all the I's are dotted T's are crossed, making sure it was a low stress environment for my mom. And and I thought this has got to be something that we could do better. And I wanted to do it better in my existing role, but I thought I had to, I decided to do it on my own. Gotcha.
1: Uh, So Amar, because of your personal uh, relationship with going through that with your mom uh, and your professional uh, development of of starting your own business, who do you work with now uh, and, and why do they work with you?
2: The individuals that I work with and families that I work with are looking for an expert known for their trustworthiness and transparency. Uh, specifically in an industry that's known for none, uh, typically our client clients are at the point in life where they're trying to give their wealth meaning, which in turn becomes a conversation about identifying their key values and aligning their wealth with those values, while looking at a way to simplify and have a comprehensive solution that ties in income tax planning, state planning, and family dynamics.
1: So how does that uh, funnel into really what your specialty is?
2: I work with the whole family, like multi-generational planning. Um, and let me give you an example. Uh, I recently worked with a family that moved to San Diego, and you know they have all out-of-state stuff. They come to San Diego, they have to redo their stuff to be California compliant. And then they're realizing, you know, taxes and state planning and all that. it's different out here and what their wishes were for their children tend to change over time and how do you do it in the most tax efficient way possible. So not to say it's more of a nebulous conversation, but you know, that's where we start with your values and then we say, how do we make it actionable based off of, you know, the laws that we have assets that are there.
1: Well, how do you boil that down? That that is quite nebulous. Let's try to get a little bit more specific and uh, unpack that a little bit so our listeners can have a greater understanding of what you actually do for your clients.
2: So when you boil down everything, we give our clients peace of mind. Not only do we provide expert financial planning and income tax planning and estate planning, but we are a sounding board for our clients to have deeper conversations around their intent and their wealth. And how we do this is we start with their values, then we identify where they are today, uh, kind of getting organized. You know, you may have a trust from 1995, 2002, they may be in different states, we need to kind of bring that all, make sure all the I's are dotted, T's are crossed, so we know where we are. And then we kind of put that against the backdrop of if you're living, you have normal expenses, and then unexpected expenses. So if there's a long-term care need, if uh, a child needs uh, funds or a flow from, from, from uh, from assets. And, and then we take that and we model that with the values. So then we get three outcomes, you know, best case scenario, average case scenario, and then worst case. And then we say, well, what do you want to happen each in each one of these cases? And then that's how we start to build in strategies that tie into their actual income taxes, that tie into their estate planning. And I think what sets us apart from other firms is that our core bill- core pillars are on transparency, trustworthiness, and thought leadership. Okay, so,
1: I, I need you to break that down more. I- explain, explain what each of those words mean because, again, I'm going to use your word, which is nebulous. Uh, there can be many definitions and many uh, unexpected uh, expectations to what those three words mean.
2: Yeah, so transparency is, I mean, there's nothing hidden. I mean, when we look at financial data, when we're talking to the clients, CPAs, attorneys, when we're doing analysis, even to our fees. I mean, if you look at our website, our fees are on our website. I mean, not many advisors have their fees that transparent. Um, Typically, you would have to go into their ADV and look up... (laughs) chapter five, fee disclosure, and and find it there. So that's what I mean by transparency. It's everything. There's no secrets. It's open book. And trustworthiness is, is really boiled down to two parts. So the first part, there are a lot of people that are trusted, I think, of Bernie Madoff, But there are not a lot of people that are worthy of being trustworthiness, right? Mm -hmm. So we strive to do the right thing every day, every action, so that way we're staying above par. And the second part of trustworthiness is making sure that there's enough education, enough knowledge base there that clients feel comfortable in the advice that they're giving. And, And how we do that is that we ask our clients, once we do, for example, like a tax return, Uh, We project out for five years here. This is what we estimate your taxes for the next five years. Why don't you take this and talk to your CPA and we'll be happy to have a follow-up conversation with him or her. So it's, you know, trustworthiness is getting the whole different people involved and having a joint conversation. Um, And that's the second part. That leadership, I mean, really, we spent a lot of time reading and researching articles, you know, more than the average advisor. The average advisor's kind of graded based off of sales we don't have that right so we spend a lot of time saying hey in your scenario what what can we do what are strategies that are out there and i'll give you an example like an advisor typically gets paid more to roll over a 401k to an ira and so you think about somebody because they get to manage that money they could potentially do better you know there's pros and cons but for, for some of our clients or our clients' children who are still working, we tend to tell them to move that money into their new company's 401k so then they can do a non-deductible IRA and then do a rock conversion and build up some more tax-free money. Uh-huh. So sometimes when we look at how people get compensated, that also dictates their knowledge base and what they know about products and solutions. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense.
1: Now, who is your ideal client? So, Amar, when you're really, if you were able to uh, just have a clean canvas and uh, paint what your ideal client looked like, what, what would that person or family
2: look like? Yeah, I mean, it's, there's no type of client. Well, let me, let me step back. There's no, like, you know, we work with doctors, we work with attorneys, we're not like that, but I would say our ideal client is really a mindset where they're where they're doing some reflection and they're looking at a way to balance their wealth, their values, and family dynamics. You know they're typically really busy and they're looking for a third party to help guide this conversation, um, challenge them, provide insights from previous experiences. And that means not only saying yes you know to get the business, it's having a fair and balanced conversation that'll yield the highest probability of success. Um, and, you know, as a previous engineer, you know, I can get into the weeds a lot, but we want to keep this, what gives us the highest probability of success?
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to have later podcasts with you to talk about (laughs) how you're going to stay out of the weeds because just how your brain works. But, uh, you know, because uh, honestly, I think it's such a refreshing um, combination of of your highly analytical self and what you've learned from an interpersonal standpoint that makes you such a unique advisor.
2: One of the things that we tell prospective clients is that clients that have wealth are marketed to all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, every advisor's got a new product. New solution. I mean, I used to work on Wall Street, so I know this because um, it's what I had to do. <laughs> you know, our conversations with our clients or prospective clients is look when you buy, for example, a nice watch. You can go into a jewelry store and have a salesperson, you know, tell you the pros and cons, or you can have an opportunity to work with the Swiss watchmaker, mm-hmm. and so you know what how the the watch functions. You know. So, so, so you're getting knowledge, you're gaining education, and you're gaining the peace of mind that that is full circle to to what you want for a family. A lot of people with wealth know how to make decisions, you know that's how they got wealthy mm-hmm. uh you know partly, so they just want good advice to make those decisions. Gotcha well, now, how do
1: you get new clients I mean you know you're you're talking about. Your, the, the sales stuff that you learned when you were at American Express and some of the transitions that you've made, uh, I mean, do you do seminars? Do you do massive advertising? H- how are you bringing in new families into the practice?
2: We have been really blessed to have introductions from existing clients to sustain 100% of our growth. Hmm. We do no advertising, no revenue share with CPAs or attorneys, no uh, no dinner seminars, no mailers, nothing that our industry typically does. Oh. I think our work our quality of work has been the main driver for our growth in our business. And I, I, mean that because there's nobody or there's few firms that really say, Hey, let's get organized. Let's make things simple. Let's take advantage of the tax code and let's take a, advantage of the state planning overall with your family dynamics. Mm. Um, And if you think about this, most advisors that work at big firms, their firm wants to keep them in their lane and not give tax advice, not give estate planning advice. Um, And so there are very few firms that really do holistic advice.
1: Absolutely. Well, you
2: touched on this before. What, what sort of client
1: education do you do? I mean, you, education is a huge component of, of how you continue to build trust with your clients. And also, you know, your, your one of your three pillars, which is the thought leadership. What do you do to educate your clients? Because again, you could have a tendency to get into the weeds a little bit, man. And how, yeah. how do you stay above the weeds and, and make sure that people are still grasping the what you're laying down?
2: Yeah, it, you're right. It definitely can get into the weeds and uh, and and so I have to be cognizant of that. Yeah. You know, I've got to mentally make sure that we're, we're not going down that road. But uh I would say every client is different. Uh wealth comes in different shapes, different sizes. Some people have concentrated portfolios, some have large real estate holdings. Some are income beneficiaries of trusts that, you know, grandparents may have set up. And uh you know, some some people may have never had to manage this amount of wealth. Mm. Um, and, and so our education component is really with working with the client. You know, one of the things that we're piloting right now is that I want to make meeting with a, an advisor fun. Mm. So one of the things that we're trying to do is that we know we have an agenda for a meeting and we know the topics that we want to cover. And when we do that meeting most clients go, well, let me think about it. Let me research it. Or some clients say, whoa, this is way too overwhelming. I don't, I can't understand everything right now. Let's schedule a Mm follow-up. So one of the things that we're trying to do is, you know, one or two of those topics, I'm going to try to make a video and send the clients this video prior to the meeting. And so that we're actually having deep conversations about that content in the meeting. And the reason I decided to do this is that my 87-year-old client doesn't own a computer, but has an iPad and watches YouTube all day. <laughs> and so I found a, a way that, hey, you know, for our meetings, here's a way that I can get content to my end client, and they can digest it at their rate. Mm-hmm. You know Sometimes people really don't like family planning, financial planning. And that's why I have a job. And and so they can take the information from there.
1: Sure. Well, it's interesting uh, because you do have difficult conversations. But having your focus be uh, that you still want your clients to have fun and enjoy the experience, uh, I think that's another differentiator. And one of the other things that differentiates you is your team. So let's talk about your team just a
2: little bit. Who's on your team and what do they do? Yeah, We have worked very hard to build a strong team uh, here at Client First Capital. Uh, that truly believes in our core values around transparency, trustworthiness, and thought leadership. I keep repeating that because we live this every day R- real quick I'll just highlight three members that help our ser- help service our clients. Jason leads our work around data accuracy uh, this is data and financial plans, tax planning, or any strategies that we're looking to implement for clients but you know when we input this data you no know, the data that the planning that comes out is only as accurate as the data. So Jason, that's a huge piece of that. Um, Kush is focused on getting things done. It, you know, his main responsibility is making sure paperwork is done correctly. Follow, follow up with clients and uh, CPAs or attorneys, everything is, is done in a timely manner. And this is really important because in our business, it's about continuing with momentum. So if, if, if things don't move along, then things don't get done. If things don't get done, then our end client uh, hasn't solved what they hired us for. And then we have another advisor, Lauren, who's based out of New York City, uh, and his focus is really on the nonprofit world and making sure that clients' philanthropic desires create the impact that they're are in alignment with you know their wishes.
1: My final question to you, uh, actually I have two, two other questions before we get into the kind of the speed round of finding a little bit more about who you are specifically, but what sort of education and designations do you have? Because, uh, you could, there are so many different designations that are out there. What did you choose and why did you choose them?
2: Yeah. So obviously I don't have a finance background, (laughs) um, yeah, and when I was an engineer, my whole focus was on embedded systems, so it's a little bit different than... Yeah, uh, I don't even know what I, that means, but we'll attack we'll, we'll that <laughs> in another
1: podcast. How's that?
2: Yeah, so um, I'm a certified financial planner, uh, the CFP designation, and I'm also a chartered financial analyst. And those two designations are, are probably the, the benchmark for our industry. So most good advisors have their CFP. And very few advisors have their CFA as well. And, you know, I enjoy this stuff. And, and in fact, it's hard because when you're working, you have to study at night to Uh get these designations. And having a family, um, you know, it's very difficult. And so, you know, one thing that I'm personally proud of is that I was able to pass the CFA exam all three levels consecutively. And I was able to do it in two and a half years, which is... uh, is really good in our industry. <laughs> sure. Well, I think people should google that and just
1: see, you know, how how what what level of difficulty the the CFP and the CFA have. They're really really labor intensive and very mind intensive uh certifications and it's really that's really impressive. Uh, there aren't a lot of CFP CFAs. I I mean, I don't really personally know too many at all. Now, you don't have a business degree. You've got some sort of weird engineering degree that we'll talk more about later in life, but um How did you create a business philosophy? I mean, you're a business person now. You're an independent business person. You're on your own. What is your business philosophy, and where did it come from?
2: Something my dad used to say all the time growing up. My dad would always say, be good, do good. And I looked up to my dad. You know, my dad, in my opinion, was a true genius because he had the right brain and left brain. And what I mean by that, he had a PhD in math and was a rocket scientist, and he also had the left brain where... or Yeah, I think it's the left brain that's artistic and used to make stage props and uh, for a local theater. So uh, my business philosophy is be good, do good. Okay, you can't just drop that there and and not think I'm going to ask you a follow up question. Can Can you elaborate on that some more, please? So I know there are a lot of smart people out there that have done really well in their work, and they may have done some stuff around planning, but there may be some holes. Or there may be some unintended consequences that they need to think through, and we are the we are here to have that conversation. And by having that conversation, we're doing good stuff, and we're going to be able to either verify that their outcomes are what they're intended, or we're going to find holes and say, "Like, hey, you need to address this." And, and that's where we live, as we live at the intersection of wealth values, and family
1: dynamics. Okay. Well, thank you very much for giving uh, our audience an opportunity to find out a little bit more about you professionally. Now, it is the rapid-fire questions uh, to find out more about you personally. Now, Amar, you know uh, that people like to do business with people they like and have things in common with. And in overtime trust, this is our opportunity to, to speed that process up a little bit by having them get to know you in this format. So the first thing is, what do you do for fun
2: when you're not working? So work family, and time-starved triathlete. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, obviously, I work a lot of hours. I have a two- and four-year-old, so I'm busy. And so we You live have, right you have next no to time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and we live right next to the zoo, so, you know, we spend a lot of time there. Um, and and when, so when I have my time, uh, I'm really doing swim, bike, or run. Um, and, and for me, it's more meditative. Um, I don't run with music on it's really for me to have an opportunity to have a conversation with myself <laughs> and you know, some of these runs and, and bikes bike rides that go on after the first hour, you know, you start to think about some random stuff that, um, they give a whole different level of depth to, to, to meaning of certain things. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So with my free time, i yeah, pretty much exercise. Well, do, uh,
1: Is there anybody on your team, do do any of the team members, do any of the same sort of similar stuff that you do?
2: Yeah, um, that's a great question. So our team is unique in that sense that we're all passionate about wealth management, but we're also passionate about stuff outside of work. Um, Jason actually is, I think, a brown belt or black belt in jiu-jitsu. And this is why this is important I think for people to understand is that the wealth management space, there's a lot of emotions that drive decision-making and we're, we're here trying to balance that range of emotions all day. Uh, We believe for us to be hundred percent present, we need to have something else that we're equally passionate about. And, And this is so when we sit down with clients, this enables us to be in a good state of mind when we're giving advice. Um, One example of this is I remember in the 08 crash, um, I was an advisor and we had, I was on a team and this team had about 700 clients. And can you just imagine talking about market volatility, basically 10 hours a day for a month and a half, two months. I mean, at certain points, you just, you give into that fatigue. And so, at Client First Capital, each advisor has less than 100 clients, and we're also passionate about something outside of work so that we can be 100% present for our clients.
1: That's awesome. I, I absolutely love that. It is great to have a, a break and to have a hard reset on your brain. It does really allow you to look at things in a different way, especially when you're on the, the second and third hour of, of you know any of the aspects of the triathlon that you work on. Now, <laughs> you, you talked about um, you know some people that you look up to earlier um, when we talked about your business
2: philosophy. Who are your heroes and why? Yeah, so I, I was very fortunate that I had a very close relationship with my mom and dad. Um, I'm an only child, so <laughs> I spent a lot of time with with both my mom and dad. And you know, my dad taught me about mental fortitude. Uh, he had a very difficult medical life, if you will. Three kidney transplants, heart attack. Pneumonia, um, yeah. So we basically um, knew a lot of people in the medical field all my life. Um, but he was never down. He was always positive. He was you know, helped out, uh, achieved all his goals. Um, and then the, you know, my mom taught me about compassion. So my mom, you know, we we volunteered a lot as a family. We were out in the community quite a bit. And so my heroes would definitely be my mom and my dad. Nice. Another more emotionally charged
1: question: If you had all of the money in the world that you ever needed, you know what? What would
2: you do with your time? Well, I think I would continue to work, <laughs> but maybe I would have more staff so it could free up my time to, <laughs> That's to a think good about idea. how to solve problems. Yeah. I mean, I mean, at the heart of it, I, I'm a tinker. Like I like to solve problems. Uh, I have a Rubik's cube here <laughs> on my desk. It's a uh, Uh one of those things that I I look at problems and I I get excited by you know how do we solve this? Like you know, where are there gonna be impacts, you know, big or small? Um and and part of the reason I like the wealth management space is that as an engineer, you can say, okay, here are the inputs, here are the outputs that we want, and we can figure out how do we get there. Gotcha. In the wealth management space. Well, we know the inputs because that's where you are today, and we know what you want based off of your values, but how we get there is dependent upon the client. And so my goal in this problem-solving process is to really figure out, hey, what are the right solutions for the clients? What will clients actually take action on? Because I could have the best thing to get you from point A to point B, but if you're not going to take action on it, there's, there's no point in uh, digging down that route. So, if I had all the money in the world, uh, probably try to solve more problems. I mean, uh, I was the kid with the screwdriver where I would take apart toys and never put them back together. So, I think that sums it up.
1: <laughs> yeah, you and me both, brother. On that one, you just drive my my mom crazy. All right, what's the one thing that you recommend most to clients, family, or friends? Now, the reason why I ask this is because you know, everybody has those go-to things, whether it's, you know, advice, whether it's a product, whether it's a a TED talk, a book, what what is that one thing or those things that you always find yourself talking about?
2: Yeah. So with, uh, with my family and friends, it's just typically a, you know, how cool this Instapot thing is. (laughs) Um, but I think for for clients, you know. The dialogue about wealth because uh, wealth has been so you know viewed with hierarchy, you know mom and dad had this wealth, then we got inheritance and then you know gr- uh, passed it down to our our kids and so forth. Um, that type of conversation doesn't help um, and it can also increase conflicts. so the one thing that I recommend to most of all my clients that have wealth is you know beyond the wealth and the family having a conversation, it really needs to become peer-to-peer with multi-generational families. You know, families that have wealth beyond what they need, what they can spend, need to have a conversation or open dialogue with what that actually means. You know, because of wealth, you know, this is going to affect decision-making for future generations. This is going to affect values around what's important. How do you want to influence that? Now,
1: this is my favorite question. I mean, I, I like the other questions about, you know, the touchy-feely, warm, and fuzzy ones like the ones I just asked you, but I also really like to find out something that very few people know about you. So the question is, what is one thing that most people don't know about you but that it's safe and child-friendly for you to share on a podcast?
2: <laughs> well, most people know that I was a firefighter through high school and a little bit of college. Um, and, but what most people don't know is that uh, I was applying to be a full-time firefighter, and I didn't get the job. And, and essentially, the, the fire chief flat out told me that, look, I was too young, too smart not to get an undergrad degree. Hmm. And, and he said that, you know, being a firefighter, there's always jobs available. Why don't you get your education and come back? And at the time, I was really pissed off you know, because I really wanted to be a firefighter. I mean, going back to my dad, we used to call 911 quite a bit. So all I saw growing up was firefighters coming in to help us, you know, ambulance. Uh, and I had my EMT, uh, hmm. taking firefighting classes at night as well. But it actually helped me out, um, you know, find a different passion. So, you know, that's one thing that Gotcha. And not most people know that I got my, my first rejection <laughs> was from, from being a firefighter. Huh.
1: What is your mantra, motto, or something you say to yourself to help you stay focused on track? Now, you talked about being a triathlete and, and doing, you know, uh, extreme endurance sports. How do you use that experience in, in that mental fortitude? What do you say to yourself when, when you're off track and you need to recenter yourself?
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, it's hard because you know. I think one of the things that that we lose sight of when we're doing long distance events or in life is that the ability to stay present and focus on the now is more important than you know where we're gonna go and how many miles are left. Uh, it's you know take take the next step. Just take the next step. Um, and so one thing I say, and I don't know if it's a motto or anything, but I, I've been. I tell my daughters this as well, is that the world is turning, right? Mean, meaning that time is doesn't stop. And so what you can do is focus on, on the now because you want to make sure that you maximize the time that's in front of you. And uh, the world is turning is just a, a way of saying that, you know, if you're doing something or you're focusing on something that's not important, the world's still turning. So, you know, you're not going to get those those minutes, hours back. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, now you have the attention of many people.
1: Uh so I have two questions. Number one, who should listen to your podcast? And what is the best way for them to reach out to you?
2: Yeah. So I mean Matt, I'm excited to do this podcast with you. And I, I think we both agree that that we're looking for people who want a way to balance their wealth values and family dynamics. And they're looking for insights about what to think about what to do. Uh, and my goal with working with you is to provide a balanced conversation around how these three things influence each other, uh, how one, how there's no one size fits all solution, you know, kind of have a deeper thought process about, you know, what are the steps to action to get from a to B and, uh, you know, if clients want to work with us or prospective clients want to work with us, um, they can visit visit our website. And if people want to work with us, one of the things that they can do is just come to our website, which is www.clientfirstcap.com, or they can just give us a call. And uh, our 1-800-NUMBER 1-800-310-2828. Well, Mark, thank
1: you very much for taking some time to allow everybody to get to know you a little bit better.
2: Thank you, uh, and I'm excited to do this podcast journey with you, Matt, and I, I think we'll we'll definitely get, you know, people thinking.
1: Yeah, I'm into that, brother. Well, this was the Savvy Wealth Podcast with Amar Shart, client-first capital. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. That way, every time Amar comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And if you know somebody who truly wants to look at something which is their wealth and how their family deals with wealth a little bit differently, all you have to do is click that share button below and you can share this very easily with your friends and family. So this is Matt Halloran for everybody at Client First Capital. We'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon.
0: Thank you for listening to the Savvy Wealth Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember, investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Client First Capital LLC is a registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Client First Capital LLC and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advice may be rendered by Client First Capital LLC unless a client service agreement is in place.